You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. We are kicking off a brand new series, as the uh, video shows, called Drift. And uh, I'm glad that you're here for it. I hope you'll be uh, part of this series the entire time. As we talk about something I think that affects all of us, and that's the, the, the possibility of drifting in our relationship with God. On June, in June of 2010, the Coast Guard actually rescued a 48-year-old man named Jerry Whipple, who uh, they found adrift off the coast of Florida. Now, Jerry had been drinking quite significantly, and he passed out on a pool float near Bel Air Beach, and eventually drifted a mile off of shore out into the Gulf of, the, of Gulf of Mexico. And fortunately for him, a passing boater noticed him out there and notified the Coast Guard, and they came by and rescued him. Coast Guard sailor told reporters this, and I quote, He was sitting on a small pool raft, had no idea where he was, didn't know what time of day it was, how long he was out for, or even how far offshore he was. The winds were blowing him further out. Really, he is quite lucky he's still alive today. Now, some of that had to do with alcohol, but it is amazing how, how easily you can uh, take a nap on a raft and how, uh, how far out you can drift from shore and how that can happen so quickly and not even realize it. But the truth is that people drift every day and they have no idea that it's happening. Imagine for a moment... You're in a canoe, and you're on a stream. You're rowing upstream against the current. But ahead of you, you see there's a place where the current is really calm. The water seems to be almost still. And so you, uh, a few more poles of your oars, and you find yourself right there in the midst of that calm water. Well, it's in this part of the stream that you feel that you have... Um, you're entitled to a time of rest. And so you pull your oars in, you put your feet over the edge of the canoe, and you just lean back, you just take a little nap. You have no worries at this moment in this experience. But while you sleep, something is happening that you, didn't, you weren't aware of. You didn't even notice it. And that's that your boat is drifting back in the direction that you came from. The stream, though calm and quiet, is still moving. The subtle change of speed, it doesn't bother you at all. It doesn't disturb your little, your little nap time at all. It's the roar of the waterfall crashing against the rocks hundreds of feet below that gets your attention. And you wake up, you're alarmed, you're panicked, and you start frantically rowing twice as hard as you did before because the current at this place in the stream is at its strongest. And you're too close to the edge to make any kind of difference. Your efforts are no match for the current, and as you begin to fall rapidly over the uh, rocks down below, you realize, I shouldn't have taken a nap. A lot of Christians will never understand illustrations like this one. As believers, we, we need to recognize that we are in a stream. It's the world's stream, and we're rowing against the world's currents. It's so subtle that we barely notice it. The calm waters often distract us from the need to keep rowing. 
the current is always there. The result is we end up stopping rowing and we find ourselves going with the flow. And before we realize it, we've drifted off the edge. The writer of the book of Hebrews realized the danger of drifting. His focus was on what we would call spiritual drift. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 2, chapter 1. He says, we must, we must pay attention, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I want to take just a couple minutes this morning to kind of set the tone for this entire series as we look at this verse. This is kind of our theme verse for this whole series. And I want you to recognize and see how serious the writer takes this whole concept of spiritual drift. First of all, he uses this word, therefore. Therefore is a key word in the Greek, in the Greek writings of the New Testament. Anytime you see that word, it's there for an important purpose. The writer wants you to realize that something significant is going to be said anytime they use this word, therefore. And actually, in the Greek text... It's the very first word of the sentence. It's not in the middle like we've put in the English uh, rendering. So, something significant is coming. That word announces it. Then the writer says, we must pay the most careful attention. He makes a really strong kind of emphatic statement. He says, we must pay the most careful attention. To what? Well, he's emphasizing that we need to pay attention to what we've heard. That's a reference to the gospel, the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. The scholar Matthew Henry points out the reason we need to intentionally pay attention to the truth is because our minds and our memories are very similar to a leaky vessel. We have this propensity to forget. And the older I get, the more propensity I have to forget. So he says, we must... Pay attention, the most careful attention to what we've heard. Now, the Greek word that, he, that the writer uses there for most careful, it's just one word. It means exceedingly or super abundantly. So think about it. The writer says we must pay super abundant attention to what we've heard. He's using this most powerful word to show the necessity for paying attention to the things that we'd heard, because we have this propensity to forget. But, but if we forget and we don't pay close attention, the reason why he's sounding the alarm here is so that we don't drift away. The reason we pay the most careful attention is so that we don't drift away in our relationship to Jesus. The author's concerned about his readers here. You sense that there's a little fear in his spirit uh, that the people might drift away. Drift from what? They're going to drift from their relationship with Christ. The scholar B.F. Westcott, in his commentary, the epistle of the Hebrews, explains why the writer of Hebrews was so worried. He said this, We're all continuously exposed to the actions of currents, of opinion, habit, and action, which tend to carry us away insensibly. That means motionlessly from the position which we ought to maintain. There are all kinds of currents in our world today. Cultural currents, fleshly, sinful currents. There are spiritual currents that, that pull us away from God. They're, not, they're spirit 
of their spiritual currents of darkness. And they're all there to try to push us or pull us away from our relationship with the Lord. And we have to pay the most careful attention to the truth or we risk going with the world's flow and drifting away. The Apostle Paul knew the dangers of spiritual drift and the catastrophic cost that came with it. He told Timothy, his protege, in 1 Timothy 1.19, Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. The cost of drift is extremely significant. It's incredibly high. Now, there are a lot of currents that will cause drift in our lives. And what I want to do in the next part of this message is take a look at a number of the most common currents. It's not an exhaustive list, but I can, I can guarantee that probably more than half of these will resonate with most of you. The first of these currents that can cause spiritual drift is the out-of-control schedule. An out-of-control schedule. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 5.16. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. It's a little verse. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Making the most of your time. How are you doing with making the most of your time? How are you, how are you doing focusing on the things that are important? You see, one of Satan's greatest weapons against our generation seems to be his ability to make us busy. I'm convinced that if he can't tempt us to be sinful, he will convince us to be busy. And we're often sacrificing the best things in life by spending time doing things that are just pretty good. I mean, when you get busy, you can lose focus. And when you lose focus, it's much easier to neglect the things that are the most important. But if you desire to walk closely with God, you absolutely have to begin by taking a very close look at your calendar. It's likely that you're currently doing too much. It's common among people. I mean, I do this, I've, I did this after the second service. Somebody said, how are you doing? How's life? And I said, busy. I did it twice, and I preached the sermon. We do it all the time, don't we? How's it going? Oh, I'm really busy. Like it's a badge of honor. But we really are. We're probably too busy. And it's likely that your overly hectic schedule can be affecting your relationship with God. So here's what you need to do. You need to take out your smartphone and begin deleting the activities that you can that will allow you to focus quality time on your relationship with Jesus. As you reflect, you may be thinking, yeah, that's true for everybody else in here, but you got to understand, Monty, my schedule is full of appointments that I could never miss. Okay? And I want to push back on that just a little bit. Because I'm a firm believer that we will always make time for the things that are important to us. Right? If your kid has a surgery, all of a sudden that meeting isn't as important, is it? Let me give you a better example. Than your kid having surgery? Yes, okay. Imagine that I came to you and I said, I have something for you. I don't want anybody else to know, so listen very closely. I have two tickets to a UK Duke basketball game. You're going to sit right behind the bench. Coach is in the way occasionally, but it's great seats. Um, do you want those tickets? Now, most of you, if you're a Kentucky fan, you'll go, yes, I will. Assuming that your husband lets you go to the game, right? Uh, right. And here's how you, he'll, he'll go with you, is if you tell him that one of the tickets is his, right? 
But here's the caveat to the, to the challenge. What if the night of the Duke-Kentucky game is the same day as your anniversary? And you had this big celebration planned, right? Still going to take the tickets? Darn right I am. That's right. I am. And we'll celebrate tomorrow night, the next night, right? Yeah, few of, us was, few of us would miss an opportunity like that. But what it tells us is that we're willing to adjust our schedules to accommodate for things that are important to us. And there's nothing, nothing more important than our relationship with Jesus. So figure out how to give him quality time in your schedule. The second drift, the second current that causes drift is misplaced affections. Misplaced affections. Listen to what we read in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Be careful. Be careful not to set your heart on things that really don't matter. I mean in the grand scheme of things. Many people are lured away from their relationship with Jesus because they've fallen in love with things or activities that have no eternal value. Let me give you a couple examples. The first one is work. And this is probably the one that that just speaks back to me. Because I love what I do, and I love spending time doing it. But it's not always the best use of my time. While work is a necessary part of a person's life, and we all have to have a job in order to survive, at least most of us do, it can become the main focus, and it can distract you from God, and it can cause you to lose your focus on other things that are far more important in this life than just your work. Now, some of you go, oh, okay, man, you went from preaching to meddling, okay? This is getting serious. Instead of looking to God for fulfillment, the workaholic will chase success and look to his career or her career for fulfillment. Work can, it can cause spiritual drift. Never allow anything to be prioritized before Jesus. I'm not saying work's not important. I'm just saying that Jesus is more important. The second, the second, uh, the second place where we misplace our affections is in the area of relationships. Relationships, particularly romantic ones, can cause spiritual drift as well. We get so caught up in our love or our lust for another person that we lose sight of our faith in Christ. This, I saw this happen real specifically uh, in a ministry area that I led a number of years ago. There was this girl, this young woman, who was, she was there every time we did something. Now, I was working with young adults, so we had a bunch of people, but she was always there. I mean, for Bible study, for worship times, for service projects, for social events, even mission trips. We did a bunch of mission trips. She went on probably 50% or more of them. She was always there. And then one day, it was just so obvious she wasn't there. It was almost as if she wasn't at anything, like she had, like she had died. She was gone. So her friends started reaching out to her and saying, hey, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I'm really busy, right? That's what we say, right? And they said, right, right, we're all busy. And they started to kind of investigate, and they found out she was dating this guy. And her whole world pivoted. It was all about him. And, and for the next five months, or maybe it was six months, we didn't see her. And then one day, all of a sudden, like somebody threw a switch, she was back. And they said, hey, it's good to see you back. And she was back at everything, just like she had never been gone. And one of her friends mentioned that uh, that guy broke up with her. It can captivate us 
It can take over. Don't ever allow anything to be prioritized above Jesus. Now, I'm not saying relationships aren't important, but your relationship with Jesus is going to be the most important. Okay, the third area where we misplace our our affections is in the area of sports. Now, sports can be a thrilling activity for you or your kids to pursue. And we, some of us live vicariously through our kids' sporting uh, you know, successes and all that. But here's the deal. If those sporting events, if, the, if a certain sport or a collection of sports begin to adversely affect the spiritual involvement and growth of you or your family, you need to pull the plug on it because it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's not. Coach Cravens is a great friend of mine, and uh, he's an amazing guy. He's a man of deep faith, but he's also a runner. And every year, he runs the Rocket City Marathon in Huntsville, Alabama. And as long as I've known him, he's run that same marathon every year, 26.2 miles. Last year, he finished third in his age group, 70 to 74 age group. Third, yeah. Now, he, he doesn't want me to tell you that there were only four people in the age group, but he's 70 years old and he's running 26.2 miles. I don't care if it takes him three days to do it. It's amazing, right? One of the main reasons Coach runs the Huntsville race every year is because of the time of year it is, but more importantly, because they run it on Saturday. Because as much as he has this deep passion, deep love for running, Coach has a deeper passion and love for Jesus. And he decided a long time ago that he'd only run races that were held on Saturdays. Never allow anything to be prioritized before Jesus. It's just not worth it. And sports can cause spiritual drift. Work, relationships, sports. Well, there's a third current that we see often in the culture that we live in that takes its toll on a lot of us in in the area of spiritual drift, and that's discouragement and fear. I put these two together because they kind of seem linked in in some ways. It's It's a common occurrence that Satan uses discouragement and fear to keep people away from being involved in spiritual activities. It happens all the time. When the trials of life cause a person to become discouraged, he often begins focusing on the problems and takes his eyes off of Jesus. It's exactly like what Peter did when he walked on water. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, everything was cool. But the minute he looked at the waves around him, that's when he started to have problems. This life is rough, and it's going to batter us around at times. Always keep your eyes on Jesus. It is so important for you to know that when life's clouds grow dark and the trials grow fierce, that's the time to run to Jesus, not run away from him. Well, the fourth, the fourth current that causes spiritual drift is abundance. Abundance. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. He said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. People who've put confidence in finances and the abundance of their wealth have found themselves with many griefs, the Apostle Paul says. Many of us have become bloated with our own prosperity. We have everything that we need, and the truth is we have more than we need. I mean, if we're really honest, that's probably true about most of us. Some of us go so far as to make wealth kind of the focus, and and in this world, many people use wealth as their God because they think that wealth will meet all of their needs. 
This has been a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible as well. You find this. People struggle, God blesses them, they prosper, and then all of a sudden you find them drifting. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Abundance often will lead people to choose other things than choosing to do spiritual activities. They will choose other things over worship. Because when you can afford it, why go to church if you can afford to go golfing or boating or camping or go to a, uh, you know, a sporting event in Cincinnati at the kickoff of this year's NFL season? Why would you do that? I mean, i got to speak truth to you all. I'm a Steelers fan. Why would you ever go to Cincinnati to watch anything unless it's the one game a year where Pittsburgh's there? I had one guy in the first service say, dude, I almost walked out about that point when you talked about the Bengals. I go, good, that's fine. I'm okay with that. We don't need your type here. Yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We love all sinners. It's all good, okay? Here's the deal. Let me bring this back to seriousness. Jesus points out the real concern here. Listen to what he says to his disciples in Matthew 19, 23. Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? It's because there's this temptation to put our confidence or his confidence in his wealth. And that will lead to spiritual drift. You will see a distance that will start to appear between you and God when you're trusting in your abundance. Number five, number five, habitual sins. Now, habitual sin is a sin that you regularly commit. Not everybody has habitual sins, but a lot of people do. All sin influences us negatively, and there are, it complicates our lives. But the habitual sin is the one that has tremendous control over the individual. Listen to what Hebrews 12.1 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Habitual sins are a hindrance, they are a tangling, if you will, to the one who is trying to run this spiritual race. Many people begin to drift away from God because they have sin in their lives, and this causes them to feel guilty. And when they show up at church, it's intensified. You're surrounded by all these spiritual people, right? And you're singing, they all know I'm a sinner. (laughs) You go, yeah, because everybody is a sinner. Read Romans. That tells you that. They feel reluctant to pray and read the Bible as well because they know that they have these issues in their, their, their lives that make them feel guilty, and so they don't do anything. And that's when drift can set in. Well, the sixth, and certainly not the last, there are many many currents that cause spiritual drift. But for our purposes, the sixth one that we're going to look at is self. Self. Whenever you become more focused on yourself than on God, you separate yourself from Him, that's when drift will happen spiritually. When you're letting your ego and your personal appetites run the show, you're choosing your own understanding over God and His love for you. And that will lead to drift, almost always. When you have full faith and trust in God then you'll know that this life is not all about you. But when you put yourself ahead of God, that's when you're going to see yourself starting to drift. When any of these signs appear, these currents that lead to spiritual drift, it's time to get the oars out and get back to the struggle against the current. Paul said this, fight the good fight of faith. There's a struggle here. 
He told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. The main idea of Hebrews 2.1, and it's the theme verse for this entire series, is to consider that the unnoticed, gradual drifting away from one's relationship with the Lord is very possible, unless we're attentive to that. This happens, this drift will happen when we're not paying close attention. Let me give you an example. Uh, This past Monday was Labor Day, and we were celebrating in our house uh, my daughter and my son-in-law's birthdays. And so my wife had bought some steaks, and we were going to grill, so I was down there grilling. And I I went down and preheated the grill, and then I went down and I threw a couple of the, the steaks that were really big, thick steaks very fan. My son-in-law got this big ribeye, bone-in ribeye. I, actually, I should have had it, but he got it because it was his birthday. But, uh, and I just want you to know that I'm gracious enough to allow him to have it, but I had steak envy the entire meal. But anyway, that's another sermon to talk about. <laughs> but the, the, uh, I, I was down there, and I moved the grill out of where we normally grill because it was in the sun. It was really hot. So I moved it over underneath the deck, and so it was uh, shady there, but it was close to the garage. And so when I was put the stakes on, all of a sudden, uh, the smoke alarm in the garage went off. So I shut the garage door, and I went around up the stairs through the house, down the stairs, into the basement, into the garage to make the smoke alarm go off. And the minute I got into the garage, it went off. So I waited about five or ten seconds just to make sure it didn't go back on because that's what would happen. I would leave and I'd be halfway back to the grill and then it would go on again. So I waited and it never went back on. So I'm walking back and I go all that way back and I walk out onto the deck and I see black smoke is just pouring out of my grill. And I yell, fire! (laughs) To which my oldest daughter thought I was on fire, okay? So I run down there and I shut the burners off and it's right, it's underneath the deck. I think I'm going to burn the house down. It's right by my car. I think I'm going to burn my car. And I move it all and I lift the lid and sure enough, the snakes are on fire. I hope, you know, hey, it's medium well. That's what you're getting today. Um, or, or well done, whatever. At least on the one side. And so I get the stakes out, and the, I, get, I finally get all of the, the flames out, and I've singed the hair off my arms, because that's the kind of guy I am. And I realized something, and this is important for all of you weekend grillers. I realized that the fire of my grill doesn't take very long to get out of control. I mean, I was only gone maybe a minute, and my almost lost these uh, really great stakes. If you give in to the currents that cause spiritual drift in your life, it doesn't take long for your walk with God to go from good, dynamic, energized, to bad, lifeless, wondering what it was all about. So this morning, what I want to do is give you a couple things that I think will be helpful. I want to give you some insights into spiritual drift, and then I want to give you the antidote, okay? Very quickly, those of you filling in blanks, key points to know about spiritual drift. First of all, you need to recognize spiritual drift is subtle. Drift can be so subtle that you don't even know that it's happening unless you're paying really close attention. There's this significant distance that all of a sudden seems to appear, and you wonder, how did that happen, this distance between you and God? So be vigilantly focused to pay the most careful attention. Because your relationship with God 
is hanging in the balance. The second thing is spiritual drift can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. As we've examined these currents that cause drift, we may find that they flow from a variety of areas in our lives. The fact is that none of us, not a single one of us, is immune to this. All of us need to pay most careful attention so that we can protect this relationship and nurture this relationship that we have with Jesus. And then the third, the third thing is resisting spiritual drift requires time and effort. So commit yourself to healthy spiritual practices to help keep you from drifting. Now, here's a, here's a warning about that. Just going through the motions of spiritual practices is not going to protect you from spiritual drift. You have to connect your heart and your mind in this. I have sat in my study at home, had my Bible on my lap, read an entire chapter, on, in certain cases more than one chapter of Scripture, and then getting ready to close my Bible, and there was a voice in my heart that said, what did you just read? And I realized I had read all the words, but I didn't have my mind and my heart engaged, and I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't tell you what I read. And so I went back and reread it. You can't just go through the motions, check off a box, say, hey, I was there, you know, while you're balancing your checkbook, and you're missing, the, you're missing the whole point. You have to be present. If I show up to meet my wife, Anne, for dinner, it's important to recognize that dinner is an event. It's the vehicle that we're kind of experiencing together. But we're, the purpose of it is to share together, to reconnect, to interact together. It's not about the meal. It's about us sharing together over a meal. If I don't invest time and effort, there will be very little benefit in having dinner together. Likewise, if you don't invest time in your relationship with the Lord, you're vulnerable to drift. You're vulnerable to that relationship starting to atrophy. If I spend only one hour a week investing in the relationship that I have with my daughters, I can promise you I won't have much of a relationship with either of them. Well, the same is true with the Lord. One hour a week is insufficient to maintain a healthy relationship with God. You need to to touch base on a daily basis, sometimes more often than that. So how do we proactively prevent spiritual drift? Let me give you three ways, and then we'll pray. First of all, regularly meet with other Christians. There's benefits that come that we could spend an entire message talking about that come out of the fellowship of believers. Well, I want you to listen to what Hebrews 10:25 says. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. He's coming. That day is approaching. Don't give up meeting together. This is all about time and being present in the moment with other believers. And when you're engaged like that, there will be a strengthening that comes to you. The second second way to reduce spiritual drift is to get daily encouragement from other Christians. Listen to what Hebrews 3.13 says. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Me personally, I found that the easiest way to get encouragement is to give encouragement. People are drawn to people who will encourage them and lift them up and, and, and help them through the challenging parts of life. So make it a point to encourage people around you, in those Christians who are in your immediate circle, and then eventually 
they're going to pour back into you. They're going to encourage you. Well, there's a, third, there's a third way to reduce spiritual drift, and that is to spend time in daily Bible reading and prayer. I, I never find a sermon where I can't somehow value this reality. There's so much that's, that's necessary in our daily walk in spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Listen to what Hebrews says about God's Word. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. We read and study the Bible. And when we do that, we're actually listening to God speak. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear that the Word of God can get right to the point of life's issues. So we need to spend time hearing from God. Not only will it benefit us in our daily walk dealing with those issues, but it will keep us close to Him. And then listen to what Hebrews 4.16 says about prayer. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we spend time praying, we get the opportunity to have a conversation with God, to express our concerns and our struggles with Him. He wants to hear from us, and He's going to respond to the things that you bring to His attention. So, Take the initiative and apply these ways to reduce spiritual drift. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the Lord to protect that and nurture that relationship that you have with Him. When we close, I want to I focus on one thing, and that is this. You talk about the, the positive aspects of addressing drift, but the reality is that in a group this size, there are a lot of people who've been drifting from God. In fact, some of you have been drifting for a while now. And you might even be here this morning, you're just going through the motions. You know, it's like, I got that, I got to go to church, check that box. I do it because I don't want my spouse to be on me or my kids need it. Some of you, if you were very, very transparent, you'd say, I feel, honestly, I feel disconnected from God. It's not that I don't believe Him or I don't, I don't still believe that Jesus died for my sins. It's just I got into the flow of this world and it really, truthfully, I've drifted from Him. If you want to change that, you can fix that today. It just starts by admitting that you've neglected your relationship with God. You can do that simply by praying, Lord, I'm sorry, I've drifted from you. And then you do what the Bible says when it says the word repent. It means you just turn back. You're going that direction. You've been drifting that direction. Maybe not even intentionally. But you just got in the flow of the world and you've been going that way, away from him. And you are going to intentionally say, hey, I'm going back that direction. It's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. But you can reestablish that. Maybe for some of you, it's a specific sin that's pulled you away. I mean, you were really tight with God and then all of a sudden something got your attention and you, you know, you've started focusing and the next thing you know, you're drifting this way. Or maybe it's a relationship. You started dating that person and you realize spiritually they started pulling you down. You thought you could pull them up, but they started pulling you down and you drifted. Maybe it is your job and you're pouring time into it and time and you convince yourself, I got to do this for my family or I'm upside down on all these credit cards and all this stuff. And the truth is that 
You've been drifting from God because of it. These things can separate us from Him, and it's not worth it. But you can't just repent and then say, okay, God, we're cool, and then go back to the same behaviors again. You have to make changes. So connect with the body of Christ. Get in an environment where people can encourage you. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Get connected in that way. Let the body of Christ encourage you and strengthen you. And commit yourself to being in his word and and talking to him on a regular basis. You have to make some changes. We want to stop this spiritual drift. Because it happens so subtly, sometimes we don't even realize it. But we're sounding the alarm today through this series to say, hey, let's nurture and protect our relationship with the Lord. Let's not let any of these currents pull us away from Him. Agreed? All right, let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. And we thank You for the forgiveness that came to us through Jesus. And many in this room have surrendered their hearts to You and and they love you and they believe in you. But for some of us, we have drifted because we just got busy. We got caught up and, and we got distracted. Maybe it was sin. Maybe it was something else. But whatever the case, Lord, we're before you now and we, we want to repair that. We want to repent of that. Will you forgive us of that sin and that neglect and restore the damage that uh, was committed by drifting from you. Lord, we want that passion again that we had when we first came to you. We want that fire in our hearts to burn white hot for you again. Will you do that and restore us and help us to make the changes necessary to, to feed this healthy relationship with you, to nurture it and strengthen and protect it. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for you being a God of second chances. Lord, we want to be all that we can be for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm gonna, we're going to stand and sing in just a moment. I'm going to be right over here to your right, and I'd love to talk with you. If you have a, a concern about this, you say, hey, I, I really just need somebody to pray for me. Or, or maybe you've been drifting your whole life. You've never said yes to Jesus, and you've kind of just been bouncing around, like, you know, just on the, bobbing along all the currents of life. And maybe you want to you want to know that there's something else. There's a better way. I'd love to tell you what Jesus means to me, the difference he made in my life. So if, you, if you'd like to know that, I, I'm going to be down here. I'd love to talk to you about it. Let's stand together. Let's worship him. Praise him.